You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Hey, hon, it's a brand new year. We're back to our Compassion Radio's usual series. Mm -hmm. We've finished our Advent and Christmas season. It's 2024 now. Yeah. And we have gotten to the peak of the mountain in these psalms we've been reading together. Mm -hmm. We're going to go a little bit farther than the very top. We're going to go beyond the tippy top. (laughs) Okay. The next song of ascent of David has to do with once you've arrived, is there more to do? Is there more places to go? Is there is there more further in and further up, as C.S. Lewis might say? Well, I think the answer to that is yes, because there are still several more. There's still about 10 more Psalms of ascent of the pilgrimage after this one. So the pilgrims had a lot to say on their journey, Mm -hmm. going to, getting to the city, getting to the temple itself. And then each step they took toward worship, there is a Psalm that accompanies that. Some of them are long songs that they sing. Some of them are just very short songs or poems that they read or sing. But it all has some great significance to each step that they're taking on their journey to worshiping God, Yahweh. So there's never a time during these songs of ascent and the time spent at the temple where you weren't looking up. Yeah. I know it has nothing to do with it, but we think about with the season we just left as modern day Christians, we have a tradition called the 12 Days of Christmas. Each day had a different focus point, an image, a metaphor for something. And people have rightly said that the original song was written in such a way that you would be able to see a spiritual lesson in each one of the characters. And people Mm -hmm. have taught on those characters and what they mean for the faithful and how it adds up to a year's worth of faithfulness. Because when you add up the 12 days of Christmas, if you sing the entire song, you add up all the presents you received, it ends up being 365 presents. Mm -hmm. So the obvious message here is that on every single day you get up, there is something special for you from God himself. Yeah. The thing that is so beautiful about these psalms to me when I begin to think deeply on what they're saying, these are songs of worship. Many of these psalms were written after the children of Israel had come out of some form of exile. And nowhere that I see in these psalms are they listing all of their grievances about the hardships that they've gone through. And they talk about the difficulties that they face along the journey itself, but they're not bringing their laundry list of grievances of, you know, God, this happened to us, and this happened to me, and these things were going on, and you did this, and these things. It's all about how God is sustaining them through their pilgrimage to get to the perfect place of worship that was the temple that's a beautiful example to us as we come into worship, not just on Sundays or whatever time of week you go into worship, but it's a daily pilgrimage, Mm. a daily walk that we do that gets us to the perfect place of worship in ourselves, in our own temple. You said something earlier, though, about these being songs of worship on the ascent. They didn't just go to the temple to worship. They went to the temple because they were worshiping. Oh, yeah. So as they're going up every single day, you worship your way to the temple. Mm -hmm. I've heard it preached very well in modern days that we don't go to church in order to worship. We end up there because we've been worshipful people throughout the week that want to be with him together with others. Well, that's the ideal way of doing it, yeah. 
Yeah, we get the cake at the end of the meal, right? <laughs> we have great musicians, hopefully, that are leading us well, and we get to participate together, and the sound is bigger than just our personal worship might have been during the week. Something special happens with the sum of our parts, adding up to more than the sum of our parts. Yeah, what's well, a communal right. worship? This community that the Israelites experience on their pilgrimages up to these festival days was a community of journeying together mm-hmm. as much as it was arriving together or seeing each other at the place. Right. They knew each other well because they'd been together on the road all this time. This was something that was just all the better because we've got the time now to spread out and rest, unpack our journey mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, physically, mm-hmm. and be present. Yeah. So it was a short distance, perhaps, from where they were camping now to where the temple was, but still every day was the journey. Yeah, that reminds me of the story of Jesus in the temple when he was 12 mm. and how the family had left Jerusalem heading back to Nazareth and for two days they journeyed without realizing that Jesus wasn't with them because they knew these people. They had walked this road to and now from Jerusalem with these people. And they knew that these people knew their son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mary and Joseph were not that concerned because they thought, oh, somebody's going to feed him. Somebody's going to, you know, take him in. He can sleep in somebody else's campground. He's the reliable one. Right. And so they weren't concerned because you're right, honey, it was in community that they were traveling and they knew each other. And that's what these songs remind us of too. It is a community of worship. It is an interpersonal worship for sure. It's also a community of worship, and that is an important step in our walk with Christ, in our relationship with God, and how we get to know Him better. It is a personal thing. We talk about our personal relationship with Christ. That's a very important thing that does need to be nurtured and cared for. But our communal worship is so important because it puts us in a place not just of accountability, but of love. And protection. You said two basic bookends to what the human experience is supposed to be. One is about community and the other is about solitude. Mm-hmm. Not loneliness or... Isolation. Isolation, no. Solitude has to do with who you're with in mm-hmm. private. Mm-hmm. If we do well at one or the other, they should inform us about how to be good at the other. Mm. You know, if you're in a good community, the community should know if you need solitude. If you need some place to decompress and be with God, be alone with him, and they'll help you get there. Mm-hmm. That's part of the worship we support with each other, enabling each other to worship the best for the moment that we're in. Mm-hmm. This community you're talking about knows how to read the people in the room and knows what they need. Well, the desert mothers and fathers were amazing at this. There are so many writings from history that these men and women have written and have given us great examples of. They lived in community, but they also had great possibilities for solitude, to be alone with God, to be hearing from the Holy Spirit, and to be able to share that in their community and encourage one another, love one another, and spur each other on. And we know that every single one of the incredible sermons of Jesus, his teachings, his parables, all were the result of Mm -hmm. having come back from solitude with his father. Mm that what he was able to share with the masses and with his smaller community were the result of the Mm -hmm. time he spent with Mm -hmm. God, his father. Mm -hmm. So, of course, these things have to work together to make a whole spiritually unified and consistent human being. So let's jump into this first song of ascent. We've got the easy road now. We're going from our camp, (laughs) going from our KOA campground, and we're getting on the paved road up to the nice steps leading up to the temple. We're on the second step now. Let's go ahead and read it. Okay. 
This is a song for those journeying to worship. Psalm 123. I raise my eyes to fix my gaze on you, for your throne resides in the heavens. Just as the eyes of servants closely watch the hand of their masters, just as the maid carefully observes the slightest gesture of her mistress, in the same way we look to you, Eternal One, waiting for our God to pour out his mercy upon us. O Eternal One, show us your mercy, we beg you. We are not strangers to contempt and pain. We have suffered more than our share of ridicule and contempt from self-appointed critics who live easy lives and pompously display their own importance. That's the end of the psalm. That's it. For a psalm of ascent to be left with the last image of being someone who is pompous and arrogant and is your critic Mm -hmm. is interesting. Again, it seems like they're all things that are falling away from the worshipers because where they're looking, as they sing this song, they're looking at the temple, but the song itself seems to be saying, look through Through the the temple. temple. Like the temple you're going to is not the end result. It's Mm -hmm. the lens. This whole psalm seems like an attitude to me. It's like, this is an attitude that I take on myself. I, I want to go past these things. I want to look past the hurt that I've experienced. Now, I know I said earlier that they're not bringing a laundry list of complaints. Mm -hmm. The way this psalm ends seems to say, I'm not going to bring this laundry list to you. You already know what's happened to me. You know these things have happened. You know that there are self-righteous people who have been bitter toward me or who have accused me of things, and I can't do anything about that. You know my heart. My attitude is that I am a servant. Now, you and I are latecomers to this, but we just got through watching the miniseries, The Crown, Mm -hmm. the very end of the series we saw this week. In one of the episodes, the queen is getting ready to go to an event. Her servant, her maid, is dressing her and getting her hat just right, fixing her hair, getting her necklace on and her bracelet, making sure her handbag is where it needs to be and the gloves and all these things. And she is watching the queen very closely in this scene. And I didn't know that I was going to think of this when I read this psalm, but I loved how the maid is standing just behind the queen and the queen is looking in the mirror and every turn the queen makes, the maid makes the same turn. Her body moves exactly as the queen is moving. She is watching her so closely that's the picture that I get from verse two. You see yourself being in the dressing room with God himself. Like yeah. he's preparing to come meet us in the grand room or read all the others. And you get to be privy to how God prepares himself. Yeah. And I am part of that preparation. I am watching every move he makes because I want to be in the right place when he needs me, mm-hmm. when he calls on me. Yeah. That's what I see in verse 2. Interesting. Now, I agree with the idea that watching how God moves is something that is possible because the psalm says it is, and therefore it should be something we aspire to. Actually, watching how God moves next and then stepping right up and stepping in and not stepping ahead of or in front of what God's leading us into. Well, the maid is looking to see that the queen is pleased with the result. Yes. And as the queen exhales, so does the maid. And then she steps back and the queen moves on to her event. Right. She knows as the maid, she has done everything possible to prepare and to make sure everything is set. And the queen, in a sense, shows her approval by just kind of acknowledging her. And at the end of verse two, it says, we look to you, eternal one, the same way, waiting for you to pour out your mercy on us, waiting for you to acknowledge us. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, 
relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. At the end of verse 2, it says, We look to you, Eternal One, the same way, waiting for you to pour out your mercy on us, waiting for you to acknowledge us. The next verse in verse 3, the writer is saying to the Eternal One, Show us your mercy. We're begging you to see that because you know these things have happened to us how the psalm is ended. We know that you've seen the contempt that's been poured on us, the mockery from the self-righteous people. We're asking for your mercy. We're waiting for that spark that we see in your eye when you look at us. And we know other scriptures tell us that he delights in us, that Mm -hmm. he looks at us with great love and he sings songs of joy over us and looks at us like a bride coming down toward the groom. So we know that God looks at us in that way. And the writer of this psalm is saying, I'm just waiting for that look. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm watching for it. Show it to me. I think this is a beautiful psalm of confidence from the writer. It maybe ends on a very strange note of, you know, all these things have happened and we've experienced shame and seen the displays of the self-important. But you, God, are looking at me differently. Yeah. It is a very short stop on one step here, too. We don't have a hundred verses here to read. It's a song to sing at this moment. Mm -hmm. And whoever this psalmist writer is, if it really is David himself doing this walk and recording his thoughts, I see him being multiple places at once in his mind, in his heart. So I see David walking up the steps here and imagining a future where that temple is. And we, over the history, actually got to see the fulfillment of that. Imagine David's imagination projecting the future where he sees that temple there and the morning sunlight reflecting with sparkles and gold off the temple he thinks he's going to build. He has an imagination that carries him there, but then he also was thinking about all the things that he thought of before he got to that step. He stepped up there and realized, oh, I'm not thinking about the temple, or I haven't been. I'm thinking about all the people that said, yeah, you idiot, don't even think about those things. It's never going to happen. And he has to deal with that thought and that place where his heart and mind is right now. And so he does. He sees the temple in his heart and mind as he's journeying up. But at the same time, he says, I can't go up there with all this. I got to set it down. So he confesses it. This is what I've been thinking about, about those who have been accusers. He's probably ticked off about it. Because they can't see what I can see. Because I'm looking at you and the future of this temple. That's what I see David doing here. If it's really him that's writing this particular verse, dispelling with the things that are crowding his mind, or the places like Magnus trying to draw him away from this place of intimacy with God. And I think there's plenty of times when we've walked into church, you and I both know this, where something was on our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. That just wasn't worship in our minds, but it it was the thing that was crowding us. This is the worship hour. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, oh, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. Let's do it then. You know, it's this is a program we do with our worship in modern day where we actually go at a certain specified time of day. Ready or not, here we come. Mm-hmm. 
We're not ready a whole lot anymore because we're so busy with the tyranny of the urgent, right? Mm-hmm. Even then, we can say, what step am I on? What, where, what place am I in mentally and spiritually as I'm walking into this room? Has worship prepared me for worship? I love how in our church that we're attending now, honey, there is an appointed time for prayers of the people mm-hmm. and confession before we take Holy Eucharist. One of the things that we say after we pray is, Lord, in your mercy. And then the congregation responds, Hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. Yeah. yeah. This reminds me of this psalm in that he's saying, Lord, in your mercy, hear my prayer. I'm confessing these right. things to you. I am bringing this all before you. I'm laying it out there. In your mercy, hear this prayer. It's such a tangible way for us to communicate with God so that we can hear it ourselves. Yeah. When we say these things out loud, Lord, in your mercy, hear my prayer, hear our prayer, the congregation, the gathering together of all of us, the community of worshipers are agreeing together for the Lord to have mercy and hear our prayer. It's a plea. Yeah. It's also an affirmation of a promise because Mm -hmm. we hear that God's heart toward us is always to have mercy. So his ear is already merciful. Mm -hmm. He can't hear us any other way but through his own mercy. But the promise is, that's a stunning affirmation to me, that the way God starts with us is always hearing us mercifully. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we're going to come before him with where in our submission to his lordship is not going to be instantly in his heart transformed into acceptance and love. You don't have to worry about it. He's already promised us. That's where he starts. That's where he is. That's where he ends. And God never ends. Yeah. So it's always about love and mercy. So I take courage in that. Well, we've seen ourselves kind of in the place of worship, on the way to worship. We've seen God preparing himself to come into the place of worship where he's going to be adored. And he adorns himself with what? Himself. Does God look in the mirror? I think Jesus, when he was growing up, didn't avoid the mirror. I think he literally looked there as a human being and saw the image of his father, and he saw the image of his mother, and he saw who he was, unique in this world, in whatever mirrors were available to him at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think God looks in the mirror. And I think he's always pleased. Not because he's haughty, but because he is truly, truly good. Mm. In the translation I'm looking at here, verse 3 says, Show us your mercy, O Lord, show us your mercy, for we have suffered more than our share of contempt. Mm -hmm. And if we have felt the sting of the contempt of others, even in the days or minutes preceding our approach to him in worship, It's worth mentioning it Mm -hmm. because it will hound us. It will bite at our heels. It will prick our hearts. It will distract us big time if we don't put it on the table right away. Yeah. Well, not just the contempt of others, but the contempt that we have for ourselves oftentimes. Those things need to be acknowledged as well and placed before the Father. There's a long tradition evangelicalism of forcing ourselves to think of nothing of ourselves but such a worm as I. How dare I come before the table? Even in the most affirming liturgies and traditions, we do admit there's no good reason for us to be at the table. In fact, we don't really even deserve to gather up the crumbs under your table. And yet your heart towards us always to have mercy and to bring us to the table. So we acknowledge all that. Christians throughout all of time have acknowledged in and of ourselves we don't deserve to be there. But that's not the condition that we're in in Christ. If we're in Christ, he's already addressed that. Mm -hmm. We already have the invitation. He doesn't need to clean us up to be with him. He's already in us and with us. It's a constant deal. He's cleaning us and preparing us and presenting us all at once. 
So we don't have to fear that we are not quite ready enough to come before him. We are offered complete and total access. And that is what boggles me about this. I think David's heart was when he was writing these Psalms that God would absolutely throw open the floodgates of blessing and he'd open the doors of welcome all at once. That he's never not gonna. And that's the kind of God he truly believed in. And the kind of God we truly serve. And the kind of God that truly is. Well, we felt like we've had to suffer far too long the insults of the haughty and the contempt of the arrogant. If we felt that way, if we've ever experienced that in our lives, we still have the opportunity then to say, okay, yeah, for too long this has been going on. Lord, even more than that, for too long it's been rattling around in my brain. So I'm going to put it right here, set it down in front of you. Not put a pin in it, like we're going to talk about it later, but literally set it in front of you. You get to decide. This table is your table. This person in front of you is your person. Do what you want to do with it, Lord. And what do you want me to know about you? And what do you want me to know about everything that's happening around here in my life? It's amazing how the Spirit of God can start speaking in ways that we never expected, but are absolutely attuned to the needs of our hearts and to the truth and evidence of His presence in us. So as we close this out, I just want to remind myself and those listening that the psalm begins with, I look to heavens, I raise my eyes and fix my gaze on you. For me, that is an important step into the new year to remind myself to fix my gaze on the throne of God, fix my gaze where God resides, Mm -hmm. not to keep my head in the clouds and not see the world around me, but to know that his gaze is fixed on me and I can see in his eye, like the maid looking for the approval, I can see the love and the mercy and the approval in his eyes that he has like you said, honey, got this under control. It is his table. It is his place of worship that we enter into with great welcome. So I'm going to fix my eyes on that throne room, on the gaze that I am receiving from the Most High. And not turn away when he looks at us. Yeah. To be looked upon with mercy and love Mm -hmm. and also to be able to look back without fear. Mm -hmm. So may God attune our hearts to his heart May he focus our gaze where his gaze goes and sometimes allowing us the intimacy of actually looking directly eye to eye with God himself. Help us to be able to be willing and courageous enough to be in his presence and humble enough to let him do it. Well, friends, we have a few more of these songs of ascents coming up in the next few weeks. Hope you'll join us for each one of those on Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the It's all about you, Jesus King of endless worth No one could express How much you deserve Every single breath 
is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today. 